consent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to, to Radical. Radical. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome to Radical. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being with me. Uh, we've got another crossover episode. There's a lot going on and time of the essence. I try to get you guys as much as possible, uh, and I'm going to try to get you guys even more shows. Uh, I know we hit three last week, and then life got busy. I've got shows for you uh, where I'm going to talk about kind of the last two weekends where we've gone out into the wilderness, taken my sons out, done some amazing things out there, and then just spending some time uh, with my family uh, over this past weekend that uh, you know, I, I think I just want to share with you guys because I think it's it's super powerful stuff and it's you know it's stuff that we're doing and I want to be able to help you guys understand uh, not only what we do but why we do some things. But in this episode, I was lucky enough to be asked by Brad Binkley of the Propaganda Report, also a Brookwood grad. I had no idea until before the show uh, we started talking. Um, he was, uh, in my brother's class of 99, he started asking me about, you know, do you know, Brad, do you know, like, well, yeah, of course, but, um, really kind of cool to, to know that Brad's also a Brookwood grad out there doing some amazing things in, uh, in Georgia and, you know, I guess nationally with, uh, with his show, but, uh, Brad asked us to come on and talk about, uh, the debate a little bit, a little bit about the governorship. Uh, Jake Green is also part of the conversation. You guys remember Jake. Um, he, it was the, the entire impetus behind the, uh, the movie divide and dominate that features yours truly for, um, the, the run for governor and, you know, obviously just running as a third party, not only here in Georgia, but everywhere else and why there are some obstacles. So Jake also joins us from Hawaii, the poor guy. I feel real, real bad for him. Got an impromptu vacation out there, uh, to see his wife. So, um, you know. It's uh, it's a good show, and I think Brad asked some really good questions, really good flow through it, and you know, if you guys are here trying to figure out who this guy is that's running for governor, more questions, more people out there that are covering this type of thing, so unplug from the mainstream media and start finding guys like Brad, start finding guys like Jake, start finding guys like myself here on Radical that do interviews with people that they won't talk about, that do interviews on subjects that they won't talk about, like Ghislaine Maxwell and Ed Jeffrey Epstein and the rest of those crazy uh, psychopathic megalomaniac pedos. So um, I think that's probably, no, I've got to obviously plug some stuff. Go in there uh, and you can leave us five-star reviews everywhere. You can spread the message, share the debates for God's sakes. If you go out and do anything to help me, go share the debate. Uh, that is getting real traction. And now that Elon has Twitter, um, we should be pushing through a lot of the, the, the former algorithms that are keeping everything restrained. So, um, if you want to share those that's, that helped me out so much, um, then you can help all of us out. You can listen on fountain, um, fountain FM. It's a new app. You get sats. Uh, so if you want to get sats, for listening, you want to help me get sats uh, for downloading my content and listening. There's also clips that you can do. All this kind of stuff adds up. 
like a little bit of stats now, 10 years down the road is going to be a lot of Satoshi. So um, if you want to do that, that would definitely help us out. If you want to support the show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash radical pod. Or if you just want to send some Bitcoin, you can cash at me. Shane Hazel is the, uh, the cash app. It's all linked in the show notes. Without further ado, here's the crossover show with the propaganda report, Brad Binkley. Thus, working with the General Assembly to give Medicaid benefits to new to birthing mothers up to a year uh, after having that child and other things. There you have it. Brian Kemp is going to be giving benefits to birthing mothers. I don't know whose vote he was trying to win with that phrase. You can tell how he stumbled a little bit leading up to it because he was in his head about trying to please the woke crowd with the bothing, bothing, birthing mother's term. I, I just don't know who he thinks he's appealing to there, but I'm glad he, he is also woke, just like Stacey Abrams. You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley. <clears throat> America is divided right now, or so it would seem, into two factions, the left and the right, liberals versus conservatives, your team versus my team, and all people seem to think about, they wake up thinking about just how to get their political enemies. How are they going to dominate them? It's like society has become a drunken fistfight between hated rivals in the stands of like an Auburn, Alabama college football game. And in an environment such as this, there is only one thing that Democrats and Republicans hate more than each other. And that is a viable third party candidate. Democrats and Republicans hate viable third party candidates so much that they will set aside their differences momentarily and join together to slam and smear and suppress any third party candidate that's the only time they will gloriously unite to suppress anyone who rises up to threaten their power we saw it with ron paul every time he did an interview we see it now with third party libertarian candidates or other third party candidates that rise up and the reason they have to do this obviously is because while they might sound different in their rhetoric they are very much the same in their love for foreign wars and for big government and for their own establishment power. And when a third party arises that might threaten that power and might promise to give power back to the people, that's what they fear the most is a united empowered population because they would then become obsolete. And I have someone who's going to be a couple of people. We're going to be talking about that today, a candidate of a viable third party candidate for the governor of Georgia. And He's going to be running against Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp, as you know, or as I like to call them, a kick in the face or a punch in the balls, because those are what the two options are there. And people who even agree with me will still vote for them because they have been propagandized with this lesser of two evil propaganda for their entire lives that they think that they have no other choice. So I want to talk to what one of those other choices are today. We're going to have on the show Libertarian Shane Hazel running for governor of Georgia, as well as the director of a new documentary featuring Shane. The documentary is called D Divide and Dominate, a fantastic documentary by Jake Green. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for being on. Brad, thanks, thanks for Brad. having us, man. Appreciate it. Fantastic. I, I love the setting both, uh, both you guys have there, the, the Hawaiian <laughs> shirt and, and uh, the background. You look like you're in a kind of a cool nightclub type area up there, Shane. I like that look. How's it going? I know you're coming down to the election about a week from now. Just how are you guys feeling? How's everything going? I mean, Jake's got it in the bag. He's already on vacation in Honolulu. Or... <laughs> it's true. I bailed a little early. <laughs> I can imagine the whole thing has been uh, fun, but maybe also a little bit stressful. And let's let's start with talking about this third-party candidacy stuff. Why is it important 
Shane, that there is a third party candidate that's viable that people feel comfortable that they can vote for because they're they're told they're basically <clears throat> evil Nazi demons who are supporting the enemy if they vote for a third party by both sides. So why is it important that they overcome that? Well, I think the uh, the stigma, and I said it during the debate, is you know the, the only only twenty percent of the, of America is a, is Republican, and only twenty percent of America is Democrat. That leaves about sixty percent of the people uh, unrepresented by our current quote unquote government, right? And I wouldn't even—it's not Democratic, it's not Republican, it's none of those things. Uh, we have a rule by oligarchs, and and, and really um, to to take a zoom out, I guess, approach to this. Uh, as we like to do is, you know, you, you got to have, you know, if you're going to be quote unquote ruled by other people, uh, having somebody that at least represents some of your beliefs would be, uh, a, a, I guess, something that's pretty important to a lot of people. I mean, it's, we're, we're at, I mean, you know, 60% of Americans that, you know, do not partake in this, you know, this form of government because they know it's nonsense. And I think if we were, you know, a quote unquote democracy or even a republic, we'd would be far less, uh, you know, tyrannized by the the current uh, officials and bureaucrats. Absolutely. And they give this illusion of choice by making it seem like you only have to do one or two or the other. But you're totally right with the amount of people that would not identify as either of those. And you made this point in the debate the other night. And this is also kind of a a theme in the documentary, which is it's really great job on the documentary, guys. I, I, I watched it. Uh, yesterday and I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Made a lot of great points there. But you brought up in the debate and in the documentary the true problems with ballot access. I love the way you spend it during the document. Not sp- spun it. You you highlighted the real problem. Stacey Abrams is saying it's voter suppression is a huge problem. It, yet we have record turnouts. I want to know what voter suppression when it's not a huge problem. I like for Stacey to tell me what that looks like. And I'm guessing it looks like her image from Star Trek Discovery where she's president of Earth. That's when voter suppression is gone in Stacey Abrams' mind, in my opinion. But you brought up the real problem of uh, suppression. And that, that's the ballot access. Could you tell us a little bit about what some of those obstacles are to getting a third party on the ballot? Yeah, here in Georgia, and I think uh, Jake alluded to it in the script, uh, is we're 50 out of 50 states in terms of ballot access, right? We've got laws on the books from the 1940s that uh, that pulled communists off of that was the that was the reason they came up with the law in the first place, right? Is to keep communists off the ballot. And so um, now that it's 2022 and we have nothing but communists and fascists or you know socialists, which are on their way uh, per Marx to communism. Um, that's all we've got on the ballot. So when in Georgia, as libertarians, I think we're probably the only other party that has ballot access, even at the state level. And when I say state level, it doesn't mean that you can run a candidate for your local uh, commission or city council, dog catcher, any of that kind of stuff. It has to be a statewide race. So if it's U.S. Senate, great. If it's U.S. Congress, not so much. If it's uh, anything like the AG, uh, the uh, the governor, lieutenant governor, the uh, agriculture commission, anything like that that's a statewide race, that is the only place where libertarians can get on a ticket. So it doesn't allow you to grow uh, a base of people, you know, basically at your local level to start having these conversations where people see it, they grow with people, and as these people become maybe less tyrannical, you know, and, and they continue to move 
let's just say into higher offices. I hate all these words. Like, um, but basically we don't have, we don't have a bench. We don't have a farm team. We don't have any of that kind of stuff to grow people out of. And so if you can't get on the ballot, it's just another form of oppression uh, because they're still going to take your money and your stuff and do whatever the hell they want with it at uh, the point of a gun. So that's part of part. And, and Jay can probably talk to this a, a hell of a lot better than I can, but ballot access is a, is a huge problem here in Georgia. Absolutely. So what do you, you have to raise money. You have to get a, a certain number of votes. I, I saw in the documentary or what was a, what was it exactly that you have to, signatures is what it was like a thousand signatures, signatures. yeah yeah so if we lose our statewide races um which actually might happen uh with this last we had a court case go possibly to the supreme court supreme court refused to hear it and so next election cycle we have to get enough votes in order to maintain our statewide ballot access and if we don't it would require things like Secretary of State, Attorney General, and a few others to get something like 27,000 signatures in order to get on the ballot. Yeah, and we all know the Secretary of State, the sitting one, that he is probably not the best guy to have to <laughs> accomplish that. I mean, what a, what a joke that guy is. Yeah. How do you guys go about the fundraising effort here? You, you don't have <laughs> boatloads of money coming in like Republicans and Democrats do. What is y'all's strategy when it comes to that? Um, I'll tell you, this is, I think this is the piece that, um, you know, most people don't understand about the libertarians, right? Like the money's not there. Um, what, what you've got is a, maybe start with the root problem. You have a, you have a broken incentive system. You have a broken communications protocol piece, which is money in general. Our money is absolutely completely broken. As I think most people can see inflation's through the roof. They have no idea what they're doing. The Keynesian economy is one of those things where you can't slow it down because if you slow it down, then you go into a recession. If you stop the spending, you go into a depression and that's just, you know, recession, depression. And the only difference is over time, right? So if you have a broken incentive structure, what happens now is you have corporations who get in bed with government because the banks are there to give, you know, the people that will carry out their agenda money first in fractional reserve banking systems. So the incentive is that the Republicans and Democrats are doing what the banks want them to do one way or another. They're, you know, they're taking money. They're putting in legislation, and what happens with that legislation is that legislation prevents others from coming into those markets. They make it too expensive for you know new startups and things like that. Um, and so, what you have is this political class that's tied to corporations and, and and banks and everything else. It's just it's just gross. So, in terms of us being those people that can affect change because of money, it, it's it's an absolute non-starter. We can't get the money because, first of all, we don't have any power to do anything with legislation. And even if we did have power to do something with legislation, we're not going to do what they want with legislation because we're all about nullification, decentralization, repealing laws left and right, pardoning nonviolent criminals. So what we're doing is not going to help the you know the global nationalist type agendas. What we're trying to do is help the individual agenda, the local agenda, uh, through decentralization. So. We don't really raise money. It's one of those things where sometimes right. we, we get a few dollars here and there, but we're talking literally, you know, for this campaign for governor, less than $10,000. No problem. And a lot of it's <laughs> my own money. So it's just like, yeah. Wait, well, are you saying that you haven't been funded by George Soros your entire <laughs> life? That's right. Well, I, our, our, biggest, our biggest influx of cash came after the debate. 
Um, so we, we, you know, we have donations trickle in through the whole campaign from starting like two months ago, three months ago. Um, but after the debate, we got a pretty sizable influx of, of donations, which was phenomenal. Lots of great notes. People can like write in what, like why they donated and all this kind of stuff. And it was oh, great cool. to hear yeah. that people were like, thank you so much for providing a good option that we can actually like be proud of voting for. So yeah. I'd say cool. you did a really good job in, in the debate. I was reading through the comments too. And a lot, I mean, tons of comments and, and people were complimenting you. Some people who said they were obvious. I mean, they all like to vote for the left or right. Cause they're afraid to vote for other candidates, but they were like, man, you did a great job. And you did, you had command of the issues. And uh, I, I felt like you, did a great job of, of interrupting them at the right times of making sure not letting them get away with stuff. And I, I think it's always great when you get your mic cut off at the end, when you're making your closing <laughs> statement, which uh, it sounds like you did there. One of my favorite parts of the debate was when you said that most of us go around all the time, 99%, 99% of us go around not raping and murdering people all the time, which for the elites, I, I don't know that they can say the same. And then you then you went on to talk about what you mentioned a moment ago, which is uh, force and coercion. What exactly are they taking away from us? Just so we're crystal clear, how are they using this force and coercion against the people, both the right and the left? Yeah, I mean, let's just start with property taxes near and dear to me right now. Um, I don't. I don't pay property tax like a lot of people pay property tax. So if you own property or you're paying off a house or something like that, a lot of times what happens is you pay your property tax through your insurance, right? It just comes out a little bit every month. You pay it. Um, some people don't really see it, uh, you know, hit as hard. So they're paying, you know, every time they pay a house note, it may be different from one year to another by maybe a couple hundred dollars or something like that. So when I say they're taking through force and coercion, I don't use the public schools, right? I don't, I call them government indoctrination centers. I fundamentally disagree with the way they're funded. I consciously, I cannot send my kids there. Uh, my wife is a teacher by trade, but every year, the majority of the property tax that goes to, uh, well, mostly to to schools, but also to you know your EMS, your your sheriffs, and stuff like that. Like they are literally going to take my house, put it on the market at auction if I don't pay property tax, and then what they'll do is they'll send the local sheriff out to remove me and evict me from this place. And if I resist hard enough, they'll kill me in front of my kids. And that's, that's what I get to, right? Like just, a, just, that's just one tax that you are forced and coerced into, in, into paying. If you did this anywhere else in society, if me, you, Jake went outside of somebody's house and said, give us some money or we're going to take all of your stuff. And then if you resist hard enough, we're going to kill you. You know what they do with people like that, man? They, they throw them in prison. Like that's strong arm robbery. The fact that I don't use any of those services is just a a prime example of you know that the comment that I made that you know property tax in America has got to be one of the most un-American things I've ever heard of. But you know they do this through sales tax. They do this every time you have to pay tax on the car that you already paid tax on every year, so that you can have a quote unquote a tag to drive it. Uh, they yeah, do they're it. taking out the top of everything. Yeah, everything, and everything. then and then everything that you already own that you already paid tax on anyway so it's it's just non-stop it's just those guys can't exist in a competitive market so they have to use force and coercion to the mafia that's basically what they are just yep absolutely so what does governor shane hazel do to to fix this problem 
Oh, you nullify it. Day one, you nullify the income tax, you nullify property tax, you nullify every damn tax you possibly can with a stroke of a pen and the board of pardons. And you tell the rest of the sheriffs and the mayors around uh, Georgia and the feds, for that matter, we're done. And anybody that you're going to write up or sentence or go after their property, we're going to uh, absolve those people of any wrongdoing. And on top of it, if you're doing this, if you are violating people's rights, hey, Georgia, you have the right to protect yourself and your property with all necessary violence whatsoever, period. And this is this is something that some people would say was, is controversial. No, nobody should be able to come and take your stuff. If you haven't committed a crime, a violent crime, rape, murder, assault, kidnapping, coercion, theft, burglary, you know, trespassing, like violent trespassing, like these are the things that we're talking about. If you haven't done those things, the state doesn't have a right to any of your property or your money or your things. Like it's 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 insanity. Like if we just look at, you know, people as people, not people who, you know, have some silly title or wear some silly uniform or anything like that. It's just people. Guys, stop taking people's stuff. Come compete with us in this market or or screw off either way. But that's that's kind of day one stuff is we start nullifying uh, and we tell everybody that we're going to pardon everybody anyway. And if they're if they're going after people's rights, we also have the ability to go after the the sheriffs and the mayors and say, hey, listen, this guy's a bad dude. Now we have you know the executive where we can start wrapping up bad law enforcement. This is a very real option. Um, and I think for the most part, though, if you just empower people to their rights and their property, I don't think we have this problem anymore. Yeah, so it sounds like you're going to go after the corruption. You're going to empower people to take control of their own lives and their own property. I think that's a fantastic idea. You did something. I can't remember where it was in the documentary where you you did something like this. Was it uh, Holly Springs? Acid? Holly Springs. Okay, and tell yeah. us about that. Jake, um, Jake was there the the night we got it uh, through. Um, so be being that I understand and like literally um, a constitutional expert. Um, I put together one page executive order um, where a mayor or a sheriff can adopt it. And it basically relies on the Bill of Rights. It is, um, you know, you'll talk about the rights that are affected and then you'll go into your Article 5 um, write up. Article 5 of the Constitution is just it's the only way that you can change the Constitution. Now, Article 6 is interesting because Article 6 is what they call the Supremacy Clause. It doesn't mean that the federal government is supreme in all things. It means that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and anything that's not pursuant to the Constitution is null and void of force. It's notwithstanding. Then Article 6, Section 3 of the Constitution is, is this, is that everybody who works in government swears an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution. So now what you have is the fact that they've never, ever changed the Constitution in terms of the Bill of Rights per an Article 5 amendment. Never happened. Uh, it means that most laws and most bureaucracy is outside or notwithstanding of the Constitution, which means that it is not pursuant and it's null and void on its face. Now, this is where we give these guys the golden bridge of retreat, the out, is where we say, hey, guys, listen, there's also federal laws, 18, US code, 18 code US 242 is the deprivation of rights under color of law. It's a federal crime to take somebody's stuff or to imprison somebody or hold them against their will or even make contact with them um, if they haven't committed a serious crime. So when we, we look at this in Holly Springs, we had an incident where one of my, my good friends was pulled over 
um, and had to prove his innocence. He was driving while black, and it was bullshit. It was just one of those things where um, I saw it, and I was like, this can't happen again. So I called the uh, the corporal of the day. Then I got to t- talk to the uh, the new chief uh, of, you know, at the time, and he was not real uh, happy to hear me talking about this kind of stuff. He, he hung up on me. Yeah, I listened to the call. Was, you were you were laying it out, and he didn't want to have to answer any of those questions. Yeah, and luckily, uh, Steve Miller, the mayor of Holly Springs, is another Marine, and so I called him and I said, "Hey, man, like we're we're neighbors up here." And so he had me into the office. We had a really good talk. Showed him the one page paper, and basically did it did all the homework he needed to you know get rid of a civil asset forfeiture here in Holly Springs. And sure as hell, you know, he brought it up. The council, uh, city council came together and said, yep, you know, we're done uh, doing anything like uh, civil asset forfeiture. And we're not going to take any money from the state for, uh, you know, because you've you've taken uh, civil asset forfeiture money from the feds or the state. So, yeah, it was uh, just super simple, super easy. And it's all up on um, my website, RadicalPod.com. Under the Helios tab is the uh, name of it. So you have a you have a case study of what you're saying in action and act and actually working because a lot of times when people hear libertarian ideas they say well that's not practical that could never happen it wouldn't work because of this but you you have a, uh, an example of this working that people can go look at to help them gain confidence in a third party candidate like yourself so I think people should go check that out if they aren't happy with these other two choices of Kemp and Stacey Abrams because you don't want to be forced to those there are other options out there and you were in the Marines as you mentioned. How has that informed your your positions and just everything about you politically? Boy, um, I think it comes down to just love for your fellow man. Like, I mean, when you, I ran off after 9-11 because um, I thought I was going to go get some revenge and do Americans proud and, you know, make every like just to, to do what needed to be done from my family. Right. Like that. That was what I thought. Um I, I love the idea of America. I do. I, I, like, I love the people. I love the idea of freedom. I love the idea of rights. I love the idea that it's all codified. The problem is it's all bullshit. Um, and when, you know, you serve the banks and you serve the MIC and you serve, you know, elite politicians overseas and you see it firsthand, especially like doing special operations stuff, like you are the first people to make contact with a lot of people and you are the central, like you, you're gathering the intelligence before it gets disseminated to anybody else. And when you start to see the dissemination, you know, get perverted and twisted all the way out to the general public. You're just like, what is going on? This is not what we found. This is not what we did. These are not the people that we rounded. Like, none of that kind of stuff. So you see through um, what the charade is. You see through the propaganda. And you see through all of this kind of stuff. So in terms of still loving Americans, I do very much. I think they are uh, some of the most amazing people on earth. But... The government itself, you know, we couldn't be, you know, if you're, you know, quote unquote, you know, one of those, you know, red, white and blue Americans, you couldn't be further from being uh, part of this government at, you know, at, at any juncture. So that's kind of how it shaped me as I still love people. It's just I don't believe that America is this, uh, you know, amazing government. It's an empire that's luckily falling right now. And, you know, we're here to kind of maybe push it in the right direction as it falls apart. It's crazy, man. I, I talked to a, a number of people in, in the military and who have gone through something, not the exact experience, obviously, but have gone to fight wars. Like my uncle was in Vietnam and 
they all kind of have a similar sentiment and it changed the way they view the the powers that be our government and their level of trust in government and it's just like, like what's going on right now with the ukraine thing and russia where they're basically just act actively trying to push us into world war three and telling us that we're nazis even though they're giving <laughs> billions of dollars to literal nazis it, it, you know, if you don't support giving, if you don't support giving weapons and money to Nazis, you are in fact a Nazi, and it's just unbelievable. They try and guilt and shame people, and when you combine that with the fact that they did all these woke ads for the military, for the army specifically, I don't know if you saw any of those, but it's caused the recruitment to to plummet. There's people now worried about whether kids are going to get drafted or not. I don't know if that's going to happen. But you start to wonder if somebody's trans kid gets drafted and they're mad about it. It's because you spread all this wokeness and you promoted World War III. I think that sounds like a great question for Jake. Comments, man. <laughs> so I, I, just man get, I just get worked yeah. up when I think about that stuff and you got, got me thinking about it. No, I, I agree. It's, it, it's, it's bizarre to see how history – like it doesn't – uh, somebody said history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. Tim pool always says that he yeah, says that yeah. repeatedly and man, the, the, the amount of bull crap that they're going to throw at you to get us into every single war that we've been getting into over the past 50 years is insane. And they're doing it again. You know, it was 20 years ago, 21 years ago that we got into nine 11 and they or like we got into middle East and they threw a whole bunch of nonsense at us and WMDs and all that. And that's a little bit of that's in documentary. Incubators, man, doing baby, incubators. Yes. Yeah. A lot of that. And it's just crazy to see how people forget. And it's also crazy to see how it for 9-11, it was the right side that did it. And this <laughs> yeah. is far more the Democrats pushing to go into Ukraine and fight Russia. And it it blows my mind. It makes no sense. I don't see people. How, how, I don't see how people have such short memories. Um, it's only been 20 years. Like, yeah. I remember it. <laughs> totally. And for anybody who wants to read Edward Bernays' book, Edward Bernays is a prolific propagandist who lived to be like 104 years old, and he just was giddy over his ability to manip manipulate masses of people. Sigmund Freud's nephew, <laughs> page 75, it's either 75 or 175, I think it's 75, of his book, Public Opinion. He writes about how the American public fell for all their war atrocity stories that were all made up. And he gleefully talks about how he bamboozled the country with the uh, committee on the, whatever that first, uh, the Creel committee, that propaganda machine that they created for World War One. So they openly talk mm. about how they bamboozle people, if anybody wants to check that out. But Shane, I, I want to play something for you and, and you, Jake, that Stacey Abrams said, and about power. And I don't think anybody's really heard this. And I think it really illuminates where she, how she views the use of power, and we can contrast that to how you view the use of power and, and what maybe some of your motives are for running for office. I, I was, my jaw dropped when I watched this clip. Let me get it up there. Cam, you putting that up on screen? Understand what I believe. I wrote it down. When I stood for office in 2006, I had a set of things I thought I knew to be true but I was gonna have the chance for the first time in my life to impose my truths on others. It is a very, very seductive notion, being able to make other people do what you want, believe what you want, live as you would have them live. 
That, I mean, so she finds controlling other people's lives and, and forcing, the, making them live how she wants them to live, she finds that to be seductive. What, uh, what is y'all's reaction to that? It, it hurts to hear. Like, it's, it, you really, like, it, man, the visceral reaction that mm. you should have to this kind of thing is, man, why would you ever think you know how to do that? What, what kind of God complex do you have? to have the narcissism to think that you know how to run people's lives better than they know how to run their own life. The I, I mean, here's the thing is like, most of us are just trying to like get through, right? Like we're trying to get through this thing as, you know, I want to say as painlessly as possible, but there's, there's challenges. And the idea that anybody can sit there and say, yeah, I, I know exactly what I need to be doing. I need I, 100% of the time. It's silly. There's, there's always been a moment of doubt in somebody's head. There's always been that moment like, Hey, I got to calculate some risk here before I go forward. Um, and you can't do that for other people. You, I mean, the idea that you think you can manage risk for a, a group of people, um, larger than your maybe immediate family even. It's just silly. I mean, some of those people are going to have to, you know, calculate risk as maybe they leave the house or they leave, uh, the, you know, the vicinity or maybe the state. I don't know. But, like, to think that you're going to do this for a population of people is absolutely mm. one of the most absurdly terrifying type of statements that you could possibly have coming from somebody like Stacey Abrams or Brian Kemp or anybody else for that matter. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. Good, Jake. Uh, I, I think the bottom line is the people, if somebody wants power, that's the last person that should be in power. Yeah. Because if somebody wants power, they're trying to impose their own agenda, their own will, the people that, that follow them, they're what they want. And the issue with that is it's going to negatively affect an entire group of people that aren't associated with that person. And so what you really want is the reluctant leader, like the leader who will do it, but do it in the least, um, least oppressive way, most free, like free way possible. Um, and you don't want somebody who is desirous of power because that, that, that's basically a, and she clearly leader. was in the way that she said that you can see it in her body, which it's seductive. And so she's mm. a very different person when she's speaking on CNN and the MSNBC than when she's speaking to activists and people she's organizing. She becomes a, a preacher where, where she just she's just very different tone. And that's the tone we heard there. But just to put this kind of in context here. So we have a Republican candidate who calls pregnant women birthing women. And we have a Democrat candidate who is lusting for power and to control people's lives while claiming to represent the oppressed minorities. And those are not two great options there. So Shane, why are you wanting to run for governor of Georgia? Oh man, you know, it's, it's not to be governor, I guess. I mean, we kind of understand this whole game is rigged. Um, it's to show people that there is a difference It's to show people that this type of understanding of what governance has to be is silly. The, the, the idea that you're going to be ruled by 20% of the population uh, is, is just one of those non-starters. And that, you know, these, all these presumptions that we have as a, as a country uh, that were drilled into us by government indoctrination centers. I mean, literally they got us when we were five years old and they started making us do things like pledge allegiance. And I know that's not going to be a lot real popular with, you know, 
uh, Republicans, but I'm telling you, at five years old, if you go in and you pledge allegiance 180 days out of the year to a flag from the time you're five until the time you're 18, it has an effect. The whitewashing of history, the all the all, all the stuff, just it has this effect that the Prussians wanted to have on us, where we become this homogenized state that's very willing to do the bidding of the state. And if you if you remove yourself or you go in a, in a different direction, then you are somehow weird or you're propagandist or you are uh, doing some sort of, I don't know, um, what's what's the other uh, CIA term that they, they use? Um, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're, you're weird. Oh, you're, right. you're not to be trusted. You're just you're not a serious person. And I think to show everybody that when you know, you have real conviction and real truth, whether it's Austrian economics or peace or or liberty, these type of things, if you can go in there and understand command and understand how to deliver these points, is that this is not the premise. And it falls apart extremely quickly when these people are presented with a t- true confrontation. I'll tell you right now, behind the scenes, like Stacy was shaking. Like at the podium, Stacy's hand was literally shaking. I almost felt bad for her, but then I remembered she's a psychopath. And then Brian Kemp, who would you know like <laughs> swallow hard, he'd get red in the face, he'd um and ah. They were like little bots that were broken when really confronted with truth that they've never ever studied, they've never heard, they don't know the other side of this. They think they. I honestly think before that night, I think both Stacy and Brian probably thought that the country was split fifty fifty. Republicans and Democrats and like, man, there's like two or 3% of us that are, you know, libertarians or not affiliated with either one of them, which is not the case at all. So I think it's, you know, if you're, you know, running for a position like this, the, the real point of it is to raise an irate minority. And by irate minority, I mean, the 60% of people that don't want to mess around with either one of these clowns ever again. Uh, to show them that you can do decentralization and nullification at your local level, whether I'm the governor or Stacy's the governor or Brian's the governor or whoever is the governor, it doesn't matter. You can go do these things now. That is the point to show people that you don't have to have leaders. You need to get off your ass and go do something. Right. And they, what they would have people believe is that it's up to them to solve, solve everybody else's problems. And then they just have to trust that they're acting in the best interest of people, which we heard what Stacy said there. She's just lust to impose her will and her values on people. And when they talk about truth, at least I know when, when Stacy Kemp, I, I think I, Kemp, I feel like is more compromised by something that he's being controlled by. That, that's my speculation on that. Uh, but maybe it's the same for him, but Stacy listening to her so many times in so many of these activist speeches over the years, she clearly believes that truth is her progressive values or whatever it is that she wants is the truth regard doesn't have anything to do with facts it's this narrative warfare strategy that they use where the stories they tell are not based in in real truth they're based in like a kernel of truth that then gets spun into something designed to appeal to uh, the people who are oppressed that think that she's fighting for them yet she's shown time and time again in her career that she will actually do the opposite uh, of fight for the oppressed she will just weaponize them to raise her political career and then she'll kind of forget about them afterwards one example she's running on a platform of she is going to decriminalize poverty well in 2005 working for the city of atlanta she wrote a law that literally was decried by civil rights activists as being anti-negro and criminalizing poverty because it was a panhandling law that 
basically made it illegal to approach somebody and even stick your hand out and say, got any change? That was then used in undercover operation by police three years later where they put on Hawaiian shirts, got off MARTA, and as soon as the homeless people came up, they rounded them up, and they had a third offense, $1,000 fine, they get stuck in the system. Stacy would have them put in what used to be a jail, but was turned into a mental health facility. So you can take take away your rights there. So she claims to be one thing. She's actually another, historically. Brian Kemp, kind of the same thing there. Again, highlighting the bad choices here. You don't have to choose between the lesser of two evils. You can look into uh, a third candidate. And you mentioned, Shane, the the public schooling system, which is awful, especially now. It's gotten worse and worse. And it's a battlefield because they're trying to capture the minds of the youth. And people I know, I know some people who would love to homeschool, who would love to do private school, but they just don't see a way that they can do it because of money or resources or time. What would you say to to those people to help them have confidence that they can figure out how to do this? Man, this is not easy for a lot of people to hear. Um, it's priority. It's it's what what are you willing to do for those kids? And um, you may have to take a pay cut. You may have to go down to one salary. You may have to figure some things out. Um, I would submit to you that maybe you could do it in the evening hours. If your kids are old enough to even stay, if they're old enough to stay home and you trust them and all that kind of stuff, um, or you got a neighbor close by, I I don't know. It's finding a way to do something. Um, and sometimes it has some costs, you know, and, and, and I hate it. I wish it didn't have as much of a cost and without property tax, it would obviously, um, it would leave you with more money to do such a thing, but it's, you know, for me and my family. You know, we were we were two income earners, right? And when we decided that my wife wasn't going back to work and that she was going to start homeschooling our oldest, um, she was nervous about it too. I was nervous about it. You know, if if I lost my job or something like that, then um, we were down to zero income, and it's hard to put food on the table with zero money coming in. Um, I will tell you what it did. It freed me up to do some bigger, better things. It freed me up. Uh, to to take care of more of the earnings and really bust my butt and go out and take um, more time and more risk and do more things to bring that income around. And I'll tell you, you know, to be able to do something like this, you know, this is my third run for an office. Uh, the fact that she's holding down the house, I'll tell you, you know, I think one of the reasons why this country became free is because it had an insulated family type of unit where you had you know, sons and daughters that could help with, you know, the, the local homestead or the local farm or whatever it was at the time. And those extremely strong women that held down the fort while the man was away, possibly, um, you know, doing, uh, you know, some, some government type of things. Like if you don't have that um, in the home, then one of the things you're never going to have, I don't think is a, is a free people. And so, um, it's it's what are you willing to do? Will you downsize your home? Will you not drive a brand new car? Will you wait, you know, longer periods in between updating your iPhone? Like wh- whatever it is, if if that's the most important thing to you, um, it, in terms of your children, then you'll you'll make uh, those allocations. It's not an overnight thing. Don't think it is. It's not. It's it's and it's not without risk. It's just that sometimes that risk is worth the reward if you do it the right way. Yeah, and you might end up saving a lot of money in the long term when you don't have to pay for your kids until they're 50 years old. <laughs> well, and, and, and they learn to do anything. Brett, uh, to, to your point, you know, now that like my kids can operate phones and software and all that kind of stuff, they're already 
putting together content to start creating channels and everything else so that they can start to monetize at 11 and nine and eight. And so if you can start to monetize when you're that age and grow an audience that you can get paid for and they start to understand like you, your following, your audience is worth money to people uh, that want to advertise with you or do something like that. Now you're talking about more income in a household yeah. to do some more things and possibly even take care of your old ass someday. It's like yeah, there's a, yeah. there's a lot to this. There's a lot there's a lot more to it than just homeschool. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That and you touched on something there. The idea of using what you can do and and building on what you can do. The whole education system is designed to to check off boxes that are disconnected from actually using them in the real world at this point. I mean, it's not, I, I have an economics degree. I, I'm not, I don't use my economics degree. I don't remember hardly anything from, I mean, I remember going to school, but it just, n none of it is connected to practical uses. People should be taking business, how to use it. They should be doing apprenticeship, stuff like that. And when, when people realize that they can maximize what they do have, instead of constantly trying to go out thinking that they don't have enough, like I can't apply for a job because I don't have this certain uh, uh, check mark. That's BS. That's total BS. All you have to do is show people that you can help them do what they need done and find the skills that you have to to make that happen. And if we cultivated that, I, I think you're right. We're going to have children that, that are going to have skills that are perfectly fit for this world and maybe perhaps a, a post-apocalyptic – I can't say that word. Whatever. Post-disaster world. <laughs> post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And which brings me to another another question. Some friends of mine who are Democrats, who they were Stacey Abrams fans, which drives me crazy. I always tell them, <laughs> do you know, Stacey Abrams completely lied about a story that I revealed on WSB about her burning the flag, and she spun it into a fiction. She didn't help get the racist symbol removed from the Georgia flag in the 90s. She sabotaged an effort to do it, yet her campaign was trying to bury it. We played a clip of her mom laughing about it while she was preaching a sermon, and for some reason – all of a sudden, Stacy started talking about it because they needed to take control of the narrative. And yet my friends are like, I love Stacey. I'm like, you don't know a thing about her. But <laughs> they don't like her because she supported the mandates and uh, throughout the pandemic. And they don't like Kemp because of the way that he handled it. And they just don't like him because he's a Republican. So they dislike both of them, but will probably vote for Abrams because Kemp is so bad to them. How would you have handled the pandemic differently from how Kemp handled it and from how Stacey says she would have handled it? Well, I, I think you guys both know my position. Like, I, I'm going to ask you guys a question. How would you have liked it to happen? Like, how, how would you have liked to gone through the pandemic the way we did? More to, more face masks, more mandates, or less? I'm going to say a lot less. Fewer, for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think this None. is I think this is pretty simple, right? Is um. You know, if you're in changing times, right? And like, let's face it, um, there's a lot of things that are changing right now. But one of the things that always happens in history is you have uh, you have change. And our greatest superpower as human beings is being adaptable. The way you kill adaptability is to use force and coercion to stop people from doing things to adapt to you know their own little niche things whether it's for business whether it's for their lives whether it's for fishing and hunting what, what whatever it is like it doesn't matter if there is a mandate that you have to do it the prescribed state way instead of your way then what you're doing is crushing 
you know, people's ability to adapt. And that's obviously not what we need. We need people to flourish and we need people to find new ways and we need to show other people, hey, hey, this is actually working over here. This is not working over here. The tyranny doesn't work over here. The freedom part, that allows everybody to figure out like what the hell is going on in your hood or any, you know, somebody else's or wherever. And it's just like, if that's what we were doing as a executive, right? Because times change. Hey, this this bill, this law, whatever is on the books at the time, and we run into a problem, that's gone. See you later. Nullified. We're not doing this. Good luck with surviving whatever the apocalypse is. We're not going to get in your way. That nullification process, which, by the way, are you trying to tell me that you've never sat around a, a bunch of school children without a mask on after forcing them to wear a mask <laughs> during a photo op? I don't know if I can vote for somebody who hasn't done that, who hasn't terrorized children like that. Oh, man. My kid, the businesses I don't know that my kids ever wore masks anywhere, um, especially I, not to homeschool. So, yeah, I, it's, that it's, might be a hard pass. <laughs> Just the cultural aspect of that and the continuous lying. And the, they, they tell us one thing, and, uh, you know, I didn't believe most of it to begin with because I read, like, the Pfizer documents and, and a lot of the stuff. Mm. It, but they lie, and then a few months later or a, a year later, they just say something different and say, well, I, I'm Dr. Fauci. I never lied to you. I tell the truth. It's and pretty, it's like, no, it's shut up. You do it. <laughs> You're a horrible person, Fauci. And, and people are just – some people are just still, like, okay with it because they flood us with all this information to make us forget, like well, you said. Yeah. But, and I mean, you know, for, for a guy too, right? Like we go through this thing called NBC training, nuclear biological chemical training in the Marine Corps. It's like one of the, the, the worst parts of training, right? You, you, obviously you learn about your gas mask, you learn about mop four gear, and then they send you into this tiny little box of a room with about 60 dudes. And it is just, you can't even see the other side. It's so filled with CS gas, right? Like tear gas. And they are cooking it hot in there and they'll get you winded you'll do some push-ups you'll do some jumping jacks really get ready right before you go in and then you go in and you take off your stuff and you feel this stuff burning right and then you have to actually inhale multiple breaths of this stuff and learn what cs and everything else feels like so that you can don your mask put it on your face blow out all the crap and then start to breathe normally again right and so to understand and have this, you know, really good point of view when it comes to how germs spread, what can go through masks, what can't go through masks, and all this other stuff, not to mention the Tuskegee experiment and then all of the, the crap they did to people in Central and South America where they went down there and gave those guys all sorts of venereal disease. You start to go, well, their track record isn't really good. And the fact that they're talking about masks, like the, these kind of things really work. That's not real because I know if you had CS in the room, you'd be crying right now, begging for it to stop. And so this, I don't, it, to see through this stuff, like it's, you know, you're Neo and you can see the damn matrix. You're just like, Hey guys, this isn't the way Brian, this isn't the way Stacy, CDC, Fauci, Trump, any, like, I don't care. All of them. Like, this is not yeah. the way freedom freedom that's I, it i think it's safe to say that you have the most experience in masking when it comes to the three candidates <laughs> yeah. a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> the tuskegee experiments as you mentioned the guatemala experiment which is the one they did after tuskegee yeah. because they they didn't want to have to worry about 
recognizing the rights and Sarah others. So this was this was John Hopkins University. These are the same people that did Event 201 who give us all the stuff for the the coronavirus and all this. So it's the same people doing the same thing. That's right. And yeah. So you, you say freedom, more freedom, and I think we're getting a sense of what you mean by that. What 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 does freedom look like in somebody's life? Because like, they people use the term freedom and liberty all the time on the left and right. They just they use them vaguely for their own purpose so they can manipulate them to mean anything. Can, can you give just a – it doesn't have to be anything just concise, just be off the top of the head. What, what does freedom mean to someone personally that they can picture? Boy, I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, we all, we all understand that I, – I, I think, well, God, maybe we don't anymore. But – you get to keep your property. You get to keep your money. You get to keep your things and dedicate them to what you want. Essentially, um, and where we're going um, with this entire you know Bitcoin revolution that's going to happen as the empire falls and everything else, is we are going to be voting with our satoshis, our money. You know, if if we want something, we'll spend money on it. And if we don't want money, there's no way on earth they're going to be able to get our satoshis from us, our money. There's no way they're going to be able to do these things. And eventually, as the central bank digital dollars and everything else uh, begin to lose favor with the populace, and they begin to see that you know this control. Uh, of our lives in what we do, what we say, our you know our social credit scores and all those kind of things, uh, is you're free of those things. You're free of any type of force and coercion from the outside uh, that anybody would use against you. I think that's probably you know the easiest way to say it is like you know, you teach your kids that you don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff. There's no magical age, uniform title or anything else where that is not true. And I think adults have to you know, I guess relearn, re-understand this piece is, is, I mean, I don't know. Freedom is, is freedom. You, you, I don't know. You may not be able to describe it, but you sure as hell know it when you see it. Yeah, there you go. It's like, like, uh, like pornography. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Except a, lot, a lot better and a lot, a lot better for, uh, uh everybody. So uh, fa- fantastic stuff. You, you mentioned social credit scores. What what are your thoughts on the whole ESG attempted subversion through the the corporations to try and trickle down ESG scores and, and really change culture through uh, woke corporations? I I'm glad it's failing already. I'm glad yeah. it's being absolutely demolished right now. Um, ESG, I think for uh, people that don't understand environmental, social, governmental uh, type of understanding, a direction, if you will, from the highs at the WEF and the International Monetary Fund and, and all those kind of things. Um, the, the social credit score has been tried in China. Uh, they they want to try it now in the UK. You've seen the new PM that's just come in uh, to power in the UK that's going to be pushing CBDCs. He's a WEF plant, Goldman Sachs guy. Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan? One of the two, I, I don't remember. But uh, to be able to be as absolutely damn wealthy as he is and then understand what a central bank digital currency is going to be in the face of ESG is, you know, this is the get in the pod and eat the bugs kind of people, right? Is they're going to weed out anybody that's not in line with the way they want to push both environmentally um, and socially. And if you don't understand that, you know, Stacey Abrams is a part of that. I mean, she's said on, I think on the debate stage, she'll definitely uh, accept the federal CBDC. And I believe Kemp, and this is kind of something I had maybe an epiphany on. Kemp is all about, I think the CCP, 
you know, central bank. So you've got these two that I think represent different central banks um, here in the state of Georgia. And I think that's what you're vying for. Both come with a, a myriad of tyranny. Um, but yeah, I, I'm absolutely uh, 100% for never doing anything with social credit scores and that, <laughs> yeah. that your yesterday shouldn't be affecting your tomorrow, uh, yeah. especially if you're not hurting people and taking their stuff. It's crazy. They, these companies will completely alienate their audiences because they, they'll get a higher ESG score and they'll believe that they're going to get basically paid off and bribed by BlackRock and they'll make more money than they lose by, by doing these woke things and filling their, their cabinets and in their businesses with, with these diversity hires. It's none of it's based on merit and stuff like that. It, it should be just based on what you can do regardless of what your, your skin color is or anything like that. So I, I'm glad to see that you are anti that. But you, so you believe that Bitcoin, that cryptocurrency, you, what you think that that is going to, how is that going to play? I, I get so confused about that because I, I follow it. Sometimes I think I understand it. Then I'm like, I don't think I get this at all. Help me understand the, the benefits of using, you know, we're going to have Bitcoin or whatever the crypto is being the currency. Jake, eight minutes. You think I can do it? <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> I didn't give you enough here, time to that. Here, here you go. Um, let, let's give it to you like this. All right. So there's, there's going to be, there's, there's two forms of currency. Um, basically let's, let's just say there is force and coercion money, which is going to be everything that is from a federal reserve, a banking cabal, a centralized authority, a centralized crypto, anything like that. And then you have peace and consent money, which is decentralized, no rulers, just rules, opt in, um, hard money, Bitcoin versus everything let's let's talk about bitcoin and gold gold and bitcoin are probably the most closely aligned their stock to flow ratios are extremely high or hard right they're both hard assets um bitcoin being uh you know saleable over time space scales and proof of work without the you know the 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 dilemma that you can move gold around the world that's where bitcoin obviously uh, helps out. It does have, you know, that uh, that aspect that gold doesn't have is you can move gold. You can't move gold quickly around the earth. But in terms of being saleable over time, 21 million forever. So nobody can mess with your Bitcoin ever. The code has never changed. Um, over space, you know, we can move it through the Lightning Network at, I think, um, more volume than Visa, MasterCard, and American Express combined for less money without a third party. So I can move my money to somebody in China or India or Africa or Europe at lightning speed, like right now, without a bank of remittance, which is super important because that's never been able to be done in history. You're now your own bank. Uh, saleable over time. It's a workaround. It's a workaround the banks. You are your own bank. It makes banks absolutely obsolete. Um, it scales over population. There's people say, well, there's a lot more than 21 million people on the planet for Bitcoin, right? Or it's, you know, $20,000 per Bitcoin. Every Bitcoin, 20, every 21 million of them is made of a hundred million Satoshis. Okay. So there's plenty of Bitcoin to go around and be a medium of exchange, a trusted medium of exchange for everybody on the planet. And then there's the the blockchain part of it. Blockchain technology by itself is not very important. But when you start to understand the incentive structure for how Bitcoin is mined and then cataloged in its blockchain, basically what you have now is energy money. 
absolute energy money. When you dig gold out of the ground, gold is the proof of work that you spent time and effort and toil and something in terms of taking something that's fairly limited in its supply. You know, you can't you can't replicate gold through uh, chemistry, you, you know, getting off world to get it from asteroids is fairly expensive. It's proof of work. Gold is proof of work. The same thing happens when you take all the transactions that happen in a 10-minute block for Bitcoin. So a 10-minute block is mined by a bunch of people that are hashing things out, and then they hash that 10-minute block, and it goes into the blockchain, and then they start working on that next one. And so if anybody ever even thought that they were going to take over the Bitcoin blockchain, what you do is you might get one double spend, which now I hear is absolutely in it, impossible because of the amount of computing power that we have um and we're talking about exahash rate and i know that's foreign language for some people but there is more computing power solving the interactions of bitcoin now than everything else on the planet combined so not even all the world governments could spend enough money secretly produce enough chips you know asic chips and all that kind of stuff to do mining and then if they came in, let's just say they did, they'd come in and they'd get what's called one double spend. That's it. And then that entire account would be absolutely blocked out. The incentive structure works so well that if they were to take the trillions of dollars and actually just put it into Bitcoin, they'd be far more powerful. Does that make sense? Right? So when when we talk Bitcoin versus cryptocurrencies, which is the dollar is basically a cryptocurrency now. It was like the first cryptocurrency because I think it's over 60% of it is actually digital anyway, right? So if we talk about you know what's going what's going to happen, you're going to have the Federal Reserve at some point shut down cash, shut down everything that you can trade without them knowing about it. And when that happens, that's when you go into social credit scores, ESG scores, things like that. Whereas Bitcoin, we don't care. Go spend on whatever you want, trade with whoever you want, do whatever you need to with this money. This is the money of free people. I like the comparison of just of money being a crypto. That actually that helps me understand all of that a lot. Uh, thank you for running through that. Like I try to get as many explanations of that as possible until I. Oh, I'll talk for days, brother. Around it, <laughs> I know you guys got to wrap up. Do you guys have time for me to play the trailer for the film, and then we can get closing words from y'all? All right. So absolutely. here is. Oh, go ahead. No, I said absolutely. Go oh, ahead. yeah. So it's uh, the title is "Divide and Dominate," and what's the what's the subtitle? How the powerful steal more power. Yeah, divide and dominate. How the powerful steal more power. Said. If you can't question authority in America, you do not have freedom. We're not failing in this country because the government isn't doing enough. We're failing in this country because the government's doing too much. What's happening However many million people are in Georgia, but you should only be able to choose from two people for governor, two people for Senate. It's complete and utter nonsense. The whole banking system's a sham. The Federal Reserve controls our monetary supply. They have d destroyed our currency. Abrams doesn't understand anything about this. Kemp sold out long, long ago. There is one person in this race that understands freedom. First they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. 
then they fight you, and then you win. got a blaze that is spreading across this nation right now and all we got to do is push it in the right direction fantastic I, I watched that and it's just a it's a great example of how to spread the word about a third party candidate a libertarian candidate getting the message out there and without having to have all of the money i, I know I, i've worked on uh, movies and tv shows and i i know that especially independently produced ones, very hard work to put together. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much hard work goes into putting a film together. So a great job on doing that. And I think that's kind of an example of what other people who might run as the third party can uh, try and, and model to get the, the message out there. And what what's the last word from you guys if you want to comment on the film, tell people where they can see the film, tell people where they can help you guys out, how they can help you guys out, your website, anything you want to promote. Yeah, um, we actually got some great news this morning. Uh, we have been accepted on Amazon. Um, so you can now go rent and buy the movie on awesome. Amazon, which is a much easier platform for most people than our previous one, which is Vimeo. And it's also on Odyssey if you want to rent and buy it there. Um, so we're pretty stoked that we got accepted on Amazon this morning. <laughs> Fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, I, I was trying to watch nice. it on Vimeo and I was having some I was having some problems with my app and stuff like that. I ended up watching it on Odyssey, yep. but that, that will get some more exposure. Awesome job. So Shane, where can people find you and what can they do to help, if anything, right now, other than just spread the word and I would say empower themselves? Yeah. Um I'm gonna tell you guys first and foremost, go watch the movie Divide and Dominate, whether it's on Amazon, Vimeo it's beautiful like what jake has done he's taken his he's taken his time and his effort to come do this this is one, something that i even hired him for i said you know if you're in this liberty movement and you do stuff we need you whatever you're doing we need you and guess who showed up jake green showed up he's one of my best friends on earth now and like followed me around for a year and a half um you know we 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 went through god knows how many different states and everything else and Go watch those movies and uh, and and help you know somebody else understand you know what's going on in this world that there's different choices that the narrative is is false that there is not a there's not a level playing field not even close to it now and, uh, and we've got some things that are on the horizon that are cooking if you want to help uh, me do that share that show you know show some love to Jake um, worked his butt off and I believe there's big things ahead for for Jake there um, but for me. Um, all you got to do is go share content, man, go share, go share the debate, chop it up, have some fun with it, you know, share it with your friends, your family, your circles, all that fun stuff, because that debate I think is probably the clearest picture, uh, that we can paint that is the establishment and the non-establishment. So I, you know, yeah. thank you for having us on here and, and covering this because a lot of times this doesn't happen. Thanks for coming on the show. I really enjoyed it. Very informative and, and fun. And I will say that I did stream to YouTube, which I don't usually do. And I got through an entire stream without the show getting kicked off. So that's also an accomplishment <laughs> for today. But I think we'll wrap it up right there. Thank you, Cam, for your help with the production side of it. And yeah, just I, I would leave, leave everybody with this. It's, I know most people listening to this, they think independently and critically anyway. But, but uh, for those who might just be committed to the right or the left or the other just consider 
just just ask some questions and say, you know, what if? Just just some what if experimentation, and you might find that you like something uh, a little bit different and something a little bit new that gives you more power and more freedom. So we will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening. This has been the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley. Have a fantastic rest of your day. All right, ladies and gents, I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, like I said, I've got some shows coming up for you this week where we're going to talk about some of the things that we're doing out here on the mountain, uh, what we're going to be doing with youth, with dads, with veterans. I'm like, oh, man, so much stuff to get done uh, to infect culture with a better communications protocol and a spirituality. It's going to be amazing. Uh, can't wait to share a lot of this life that we're living with you and to bring you more and more content as we're going forward. It's just, it's, this is the passion. This is where we are headed. I am energized. I have uh, direction and um, to see it clearly uh, and to have the response that we're getting from you guys is absolutely, I think of no coincidence. I think it is the time, the place, the message, the ideas and taking action that's got us to this point. So um, I hope you guys have an awesome Monday. I will see you guys back here tomorrow, Tuesday. And uh, until then, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take this.